Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Ire, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Say thank you, Jesus. So we want to discuss something very important. Something very crucial. You see, a lot of people have real issues. I'm talking about even people in church. And you might just find one or two, many more people, actually, you know, who are struggling with one habit or the other. Some are bold enough to share their struggles, and some never do. They just keep it to themselves. But the reality is, a lot of people are going through stuff. Hallelujah. And it has led to two different kinds of popular outcomes. There are some who have fought and are tired of fighting, and so they just do it. They just do it. And they come to a point where their conscience is so sad that you, you wonder, <laughs> you know, they, they, they claim to be believers, but they are living in a manner that is not different from those who claim otherwise. And there are, there are some also who keep fighting but because they are defeated so often they drift into self-pity self-pity and they, they are just sorry all the time hallelujah and so there is so much to discuss you know under this a proper way to go about this sermon is to preach the gospel to let you know what Christ has done you need to know fundamentally that the reason why we walk in righteousness is because that's our nature. We are not doing this to make heaven. And it's not on the basis of our righteousness by our own works and efforts that God likes us. It is faith in Jesus that counts for righteousness with God. Do you understand what I just said? You know, that's so important. Can I tell you something? If you miss what is fundamental, the battle becomes even more frustrating. If you ever come to a point in your battle against sin that you think God is on the other side waiting to see what the outcome of your life is to know whether to commit to you long term or not, you're going to have such a horrible struggle. It's going to be a horrible run for you. But when you see that God is with you and for you. And so John says in John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, it says, I write unto you, little children, that you sin not. But if any man sin, he's talking about believers. So believers can sin. It's not proper. They shouldn't. But it happens. Because we're growing. And because we have a flesh. 
Yes, the spirit that is in us gains ascendancy over the flesh, but it still doesn't take away the fact that we have a flesh that is fighting. The spirit is warring against the flesh, the flesh against the spirit. So there is that fight ongoing. And at times where we are not careful, where we're insensitive, where you, you, you know, we're, we're just careless, the flesh does gain ascendancy. So there will be moments like that. And it says, at that time, this should be your conclusion. I have an advocate with the Father. He has told you what to realize when you sin. So there is what? There is a thought process. When I sin, I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Listen, a lot of people also think that God the Father is the fierce one. He doesn't care about you that much. And so Jesus is begging him, when you sin, Jesus is saying, please, please, remember what I did, you know. And that's silly because what Jesus did was all the Father's idea. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It was the Father's love manifest in Christ. Jesus did the beatings of the Father in saving you and I. Hallelujah. And so the text says we have an advocate with the Father. He is the Father's advocate. The Father is the one who employed the lawyer to plead your case. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he's not in the opposition needing persuasion. No, he is for you. So loud, amen. amen. So uh, um, a theologian called it gutsy guilt. You should feel sad when you sin. If you don't feel sad, that's a terrible sign. Either your conscience is terribly damaged and you no longer care, you just do it anyway. Or you're not saved. You should feel sad. Because it's inconsistent with your righteous na nature. So you feel sad and you feel guilty. I shouldn't have done that. But there, is, there should be guts to it. It is not just a mindless endless self-pity where you wallow you know in this guilt and then you beat yourself up and then you withdraw from the brethren and, and you know you're just in that endless drowning state he says if any man sin meaning this is what i do when i sin i reckon that i have an advocate i'm not justifying the sin i'm justifying what christ has done do you understand what i'm saying so, those two must go hand in hand. As sad as I am about what I did, I'm also very confident in the provision of God in Christ. I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for my sins. Say loud, amen. amen. When it all comes down to it, when you sin, you say, that's what Christ died for. Hallelujah. That's what Christ died for me. For Oh, this too is covered. I shouldn't have done this, but even this is covered. Say loud, amen. amen. If you don't learn how to think this way, you will have issues. Terrible issues. And the devil will play games with you. A friend of mine was trying to cast a demon out, and the demon said, you can't cast me out, you have not fasted enough. <laughs> because, because they have learned from observing weak believers that some believers think 
that you know if they don't measure up in devotion you know they, they just have that inferiority complex oh am i am i are you sure if i pray now god will hear me so they know that thank god my friend knew better he said yes but i come in the name of jesus come out what do you mean are you the one that will advise me on fasting I've not, I've, not, I've not prayed enough. I've not found you. You want to tell me? See, will you come out? <laughs> Hallelujah. Zuvrato, so she stays. Ha, 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 Thank you, Jesus. You know, just talking about that made me enter a mood. You know? Glory to God. So, so we, well, basically, we need to talk about this. And you see... Let me show you something. Are you ready for this? You see, if you don't read your Bible, you're missing a lot. There is, there is a high that the Bible gives. You can't get it anywhere else. No drug can give it. Netflix can't give it. You know. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles, Second Corinthians, chapter four. Second Corinthians, chapter four. Hallelujah. Hmm. Verse six. It says, "For God." <laughs> Who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined, King James language, shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Everybody, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, read together, one, two, go. describing your salvation experience he's describing you see a lot of people have not thought about this in the beginning god said let there be light and there was light well what light did he create because it was until days later that the sun moon and stars were created so what light did he create first I believe it was a sovereign declaration of his salvation plan. And so, 2 Corinthians 4 tells you, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts. Are you getting this? So, the light shining out of darkness in Genesis 1 had to do with salvation. Do you understand what I'm saying? But think about it. As dark as the sinner is, as, as unredeemable as he feels... All these habits, it has a hold of me. Will I ever stop? Oh, do you know how many things I've tried to get rid of this? But he's introducing you to God. Many times we dwell on ourselves. What we're capable of, what we have tried, where we have gone. The effort that we have expended. But he's talking about God. And he says, God commanded light to shine out of darkness. He didn't bring a light into the room. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He commanded that from that darkness, light will shine. Yes, sir. 
Are you getting this? He says, that's what he did in your heart. Oh, boy. That same heart that could only think evil continually and anger and lust and stealing and greed. He said, from that heart, he commanded. Listen, we're talking about a God who can really actually create what he wants to see. And he has spoken to your heart. He has commanded a certain type of result. A, he, there is a new product from your heart. A new thought process. A new behavioral pattern. God can do it. And even better, he has done it. He commanded light to shine, you know, as hopeless as you thought you were. He said, light, shine. That's a decree that can never be contradicted. I don't care how deep in lust and all this stuff you think you are. The God we are talking about can bring something positive out of something hopeless. That out of, it's just like water from the rock. Do you know, do you know what a rock is? Water from the rock. Speak to the rock and water will come out. That a rock becomes water source to three million people. Do you know, do you know what we're talking about? Are you with me at all? He said, he commands lights to shine. He has done it several times before. A man was on a horse riding to go and persecute Christians. Right on that journey. Something pushed him from the horse. <laughs> Light shone. He fell. Fell to the ground. Hallelujah. And the voice from the light. God, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he had never heard the voice before, but he knew this voice must be someone powerful, someone I cannot joke with. So he said, who are you, Lord? <laughs> Better call him Lord. <laughs> you see, he, he's not your mate, you see. You know, knock you from that horse. Thank you, Jesus. Yours might not have been as dramatic, but it's the same thing. The moment you heard the gospel, there was a heart transplant. You see, he does a cleaner job than any surgeon you know. He leaves no scar behind. Not even with plastic surgery. He can start the surgery from inside without opening your skin. Hallelujah. And take all those sinful propensities. Oh, this is the anger. The, the friend said he will always be angry. We don't even know how we will be in his house. He, may, he might be beating his wife. He takes that out throws it away you know all oh, the lost and the fornication you know yeah the excuses for it i was abused when i was a child i don't really care about that stuff you don't need this throw it away you know he has taken away the stony heart out of your flesh and given you a heart of flesh he has put his spirit in you and caused you to walk according to his statutes he said you will keep his judgments and do them this is the power of god do you understand one of the prophecies, Pastor Victor, is that you? Is that you, Pastor Victor? Good to see you. Please welcome him. <laughs> Hallelujah. One of the prophecies, all right, of the Messiah is this. He said, 
my people shall be willing in the days of his power. He was talking about the Messiah. <laughs> Moses had to persuade people. This is the law. Obey. Don't forget in the promised land. Make sure you do it. In a, he said, but he's talking about the Messiah, the influence he will have in the hearts of men. He says they will be willing. Willful allegiance. Nobody will beg you to pray. Nobody will beg you to evangelize. There will be something inside you, you, the influence of the spirit, like fire shot up in your bones that you cannot stay. He says, my people shall be willing. Hallelujah. Say, I'm willing. He has birthed in us a desire, a propensity for righteousness. My people shall be willing in the days. We're talking power here. Not behavioral modification. We're talking about the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believes. Say he has made me willing. willing. That's that's a prophet. What the prophet said also. He says, no one shall say to his neighbor, no, the Lord. You know, nobody will be cajoling you. I've been talking to you since all these years. You know, he said, all shall know him from the least to the greatest. We might be at different levels of devotion, but fundamentally, one thing will be sure. We all love the Lord. We're not even, he has, he, do you understand? Water from the rock, love is oozing out from us. Say loud, amen. amen. You need to know this and believe this. So, when you talk about exercising your victory over sin, I want to take three different approaches. First of all, I want to take the theological approach, which is what I've already begun dwelling on. You know, just, just, just helping you see the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Just helping you see what God has done in Christ. If you understand it theologically, you'll be able to live a life of victory effortlessly. So, so there, is, there is that, you know. You have to, first of all, understand it theologically, what he has done. And maybe I should start with that. Because many times we are bothered about the things that we are not doing right. When in fact what should be bothering us is revelation. That the eyes of our understanding will be flooded with light to know the riches of the glory of his inheritance to the saints. If, if I knew better, I would do better. Many times it's a knowledge issue. And then we'll talk about the precedence of God. There is a way temptation should be handled. There is a biblical approach to that. We'll talk about that. The biblical precedence for overcoming temptation. We'll talk about that. And then we'll just talk about practical wisdoms, things you should know. We talked about one in the morning, you know, about the lady who traveled to a new city, did not get accommodation on time, so she went to stay with a male friend. You know, those, they, they, something they call gumption. Just, you know, go, you don't, the devil is chilling and you say, hey, how are you, how are you doing? It's like you're bored. Let me give you something to do. Tempt me. <laughs> if you do that, you must have more grace than me because I can't try that. Hallelujah. Joseph left his garment and ran away with all his grace and anointing. But you know you, you're caught from a different cloth, probably. 
So let's talk about, you know, the doctrinal approach, what, you, what, what it is you ought to know. Hallelujah. You see, when it comes to salvation, like E.W. Kenyon says, there is a legal and a vital aspect to it. He gave the illustration of someone who is in court. There was a charge against him. He's still in cuffs because he, had, he, had, he, had, he came straight from prison to the courtroom. But the court tried him. I'm not a lawyer, so if I'm missing some details, just focus on the point. You know, some people, you know. So the court tried him and declared him discharged and acquitted. See, the moment the judge gave that verdict, he became a free man. But right at that very moment, he still has the cough in his hand. He's still probably even wearing prison clothes. He's still in the courtroom. There's still security around him, making sure he doesn't run away and all of that. But he's a free man. His freedom is a legal fact. But it is not yet vital. It is not yet practical. It becomes practical when they take off the cuffs and when he walks away free and then he returns home and then everybody is rejoicing and they live happily ever after. Do you get what I'm saying? So, so now, the same thing applies. And so you see this idea filtering into Paul's teaching. There is what Christ has done and there is what you should do. And if you don't understand this, sometimes Paul appears to contradict himself, but he's not. Hallelujah. <laughs> Look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 verse 9. I'm just going to go ahead and read it, but I want you to pay attention because we have a lot to cover. So I'm going to be as fast as possible. Colossians chapter 3 verse 9. If you're there, say, uh-huh, uh-huh. Hallelujah. It says, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Oh, he says, well, you can't go on lying. You know, maybe I should preach this very well because church people, they seem to drop off all the other, quote and unquote, bigger sins, but lie. That lie. Oof. Christians exaggerate miracles, exaggerate, you know. Hallelujah. He says, lie not one to another. He's talking to a church. <laughs> and he's telling the church at Colossae, stop lying. <laughs> anyway, that's not what we're talking about. And he tells them why. He says, because you have put off that old sinful nature. You have put it off. So stop already. Do you get that? Are you all with me? It says, so he says, I've put it off. So say, I've put it off. I've put off the old man. Hallelujah. And then look at Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. <laughs> Are you there? You know what it says? It says that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. So 
excuse me, Paul, have I put off or I should put off? Which one? Can you make up your mind, sir? And he's like, that's the point. You can put off, you should put off now because you have put off. And you're like, I don't get it, you see. And he says, God first does it and then you actuate it in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? God has done something about it. So walk in the reality. That's the simple summary. Let me give you another brief example. The same Colossians 3. Hallelujah. Verse 3. I always like people to read verse 3 loud and clear. <laughs> Just to mess with their minds a little. Read Colossians 3 3 together. One, two, go. I want you to read that to the person by your side. One, two, go. Say, so say to him, brother or sister, you are dead to sin. If the person by your side did not add that to sin part, don't sit with him or her again. I want you to personalize it. Say, I am dead to sin. All right, just to get your attention. Hallelujah. So he says, you are dead and your life is hid in Christ. He said, you are dead and, and your life is... <laughs> yeah, I'm dead, actually. It's good stuff we're talking about, good news. When you understand the context, all right? He says, for you are dead. I know, I know it's you that will say my own back. <laughs> Hallelujah. He says, for you are dead and your life is hid in Christ in God. And then verse 5 says, dead in therefore. Are you with me? Dead in, because you are dead, dead in. <laughs> Mortify. So he's asking you to do the job of a mortician. Have you, one of the most incredible experiences I've had in the kitchen. There are very few experiences I've had in the kitchen in my life. <laughs> Say what you like. <laughs> it's because my wife is such a good cook. Yeah. I just help out once in a while. I boil water, boil egg, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> nah, I'm just joking. No, I'm not. But yeah. <laughs> that's going to change next year. I'm going to surprise all of you. Oh, cook. Powerful sermons. <laughs> you know, so I was in my mother's kitchen as a child, and we, she bought live chicken. You know, live chicken. Ladies of nowadays, you know, like live chicken. You know, if you ask an average lady in this room to catch chicken and kill it. You will see gymnastics. <laughs> Let me make it more hilarious. If you ask an average guy in this room, because you will say, hey, if you ask an average guy in this room to do the same thing, <laughs> you will see drama. Have you seen a grown man afraid of lizard? 
It's a mystery. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And she got it and she cut off the head, you know, took it into the kitchen. The moment she poured hot water on it, guess what? It jumped up. Headless chicken jumped up and started running up and down. It was, I was like, oh my God, what is going on? It's bad enough that we're killing live chickens now. You know, but what is this drama? And they were like, catch it, catch it. I said, what do you mean? No, I'm just joking. I was like, Pah, I caught it. And I'm like, Believe whichever one you want. The longer I shot of it, it was caught. Do you understand? <laughs> you know, but then I remember asking, I was a child, I remember asking my mom, like, what was that about? And she said, well, even dead chickens still have some activity of life. What appears to be an activity, the impulses are still there. And so they can come up, get up and run about, and they're actually dead. And so I heard that morticians, when human beings die in the mortuary, they have to put chemicals on the bodies of the dead people. Because what happens to chickens sometimes happens to even human beings. You know, they can get up and start doing stuff. <laughs> and they, I'm talking about bodies that are embalmed, they have removed stuff. You know, but <laughs> that one is, you don't want to imagine that one. <laughs> so, the mortician and you have a similar duty. The body is already dead, but there is some activity to make sure that, well, it stays dead. Not like it can rise again, but if you are dead, you shouldn't be doing, for God's sake, stop doing the things that living people do. Stop freaking people out. Do you understand, do you understand what I'm saying? So sometimes you see some activity, some activity of sin. And actually, the body of sin is destroyed. The head is off, but it's still running up and down. And you're seeing, you're seeing the lust, you're seeing the anger, and the pastor is preaching, and he's saying you are dead to sin, and you're like, Pastor, you don't get it. I'm still seeing all this activity. Guess what? That body is running about headless. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's still dead. It can run about, run about for all it can, but it's still dead. That's the same thing. So you might have the struggle. You know, why am I a believer? And I'm still having all this. Well, catch that chicken and put it down. Say, stay down. It has finished. That's what Paul is asking you to do. He says, you are dead in Christ. So dead in whatever appears to be any sinful propensity. I'm acting based on what he has done. Say loud, Amen. So you see, when we talk about the redemptive work of Christ, there are so many perspectives to it. It's, it's as if God killed so many birds with one stone. Jesus died for, died, let me start with that. Let me not say for our sins and you will not understand why. Jesus died, rose again the third day. He is seated at the right hand of God. When I ask you, how do you know you have authority over unclean spirit? You said, because Jesus is seated. 
far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. How do you know, do you, know you are saved? Because Jesus died for my sins, he rose again, he is seated. Because he is seated means I'm justified. So his sitting represents our authority, his sitting represents our justification, and his sitting represents our sanctification. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the same teaching for salvation becomes the same teaching for consecration. And he tells you, you're seated with Christ. Look at, look at Romans chapter 6. I'm still doing like this, like the screen is here. I have to get used to this stuff. Don't you like this? God is wonderful, isn't it? It's not rented though. Yeah, we're balling. <laughs> it's just an investment so that outboards can do their thing more. Hallelujah. All right, Romans chapter 6. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Verse 3. It says, know ye not. I, I like when it says, know ye not. So, we are talking about revelation of what God has done in Christ. Which is the first step to what we're talking about. It says, know ye not that so many of you as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into his death. We were immersed into his death as though we died with him. <laughs> that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. Everybody, read verse 5 together, one, two, go. For if we are planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Whoo! Verse 6, one, two, go. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Hallelujah. You see that? The burial of Jesus was the destruction of the body of sin. It says, henceforth, we should not serve sin. Thank you, Jesus. So just think about this. Paul is comparing the old covenant and the new covenant. And he says, the law could not make people better. Because the people we were trying, the, the, the law revealed God's standards and the, the people were trying to meet up to it and they kept realizing their, inabil, in, their inadequacy and their inability to meet up to God's righteous standard. And God said, I'm going to do something more effective. And you're like, oh, what's God's grand plan? Maybe God is going to give us one special type of injection. Tell me the truth. Have you ever fantasized about that type of injection that once you take it once, all the sinful promptings will die forever. <laughs> Have you ever felt like you could just flip a switch and it will all end? Well, let me, let me make it clear. Then it won't be a step of faith. Your victory over sin will forever be a faith walk. If, you, if there is no desire at all, no temptation, it's a, it's a problem, that's, that's not what Christ did. Hallelujah. That's not what Christ did. 
single people saying, oh, this loss, be careful what you pray when you're single. Oh, this loss, Father, take it away. Then you fall in love, you get married. Oh, Father, bring it back. <laughs> Don't think about that too much. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? Romans chapter 8. This is, this is beautiful what you're about to read. So in verse 1, Romans chapter 8, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Verse 3, everybody read verse 3 together. One, two, go. In that it was weak in the flesh, God, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemns him. Okay, so he's saying what the law could not do. People were trying to attain righteousness. They couldn't attain it in the law. What was God's solution to the sin problem? The death of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Think about this. God, who is almighty and perfect in wisdom, knew that the death of Jesus is all you need for your victory over sin. No matter what your struggle is now, reckon that what God did in Christ is enough. Did you hear what I just said? It's enough. If, if God in his wisdom thought this was the solution, that's the solution. Jesus died for my sins. And so you, he says, he rose again that we should walk in the newness of life. Ah, this means every time I overcome a temptation, I'm demonstrating to the world resurrection. Because I walk in the newness of life because he is risen from the dead. I demonstrate resurrection by walking in the newness of life. Now this is powerful. What a powerful call. Don't you think that's powerful? I walk in the newness of life. Because when you say no, <laughs> you that we know before, no. Oh, that's divine. Oh, that's Jesus. Oh, you can do that because he's raised, risen from the dead. Say thank you, Lord. So, now the Bible gives you a focus, a better focus, a higher focus. Now, you're not just trying, you know, for the sake of it, there is a higher reason to walk in the newness of life. When I walk in the newness of life, I demonstrate resurrection. That's resurrection power. Say amen, someone. Amen. And so that's, that's a very crucial perspective to this thing. Let me see if I can read one or two texts before I move on because we have so much to cover. Uh, 
Thank you, Lord. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. This is another amazing one. So I've read to you Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 8, now Ephesians chapter 2. And it says, And you hath he quickened, <laughs> who were dead in trespasses and sins. This is beautiful. Do you know what it means to be quickened? You hath he made alive. He has made you alive. You were dead in trespasses and sins. And he has brought you back to life. And he's about to explain how. He says, wherein in time past you walked according to the cause of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. You were, you, listen, there was a force causing you to act the way you acted. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh in children of disobedience. Among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the loss of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. So now he's about to tell you what God did. When I was in the world, there was a propensity, like a spirit, that made me act in a particular way. I was by nature a child of wrath. Well, God, what has God done about that? Verse 4 says, but God, but now, but God who is rich in mercy, even when you were dead in sins, has quickened you how? Are you with me? Has quickened you how? He said, by grace are you saved. And has raised us up and made us do what? Sit together in heavenly place. So he's saying, Oh, Matakabaratokobos. He's telling you how what Christ did benefited you. The canal observer says, Oh, Jesus died and he was raised back to life. But by faith, we see the direct benefit of the resurrection in our lives. Are you getting what I'm saying? That was the answer to the sin problem. Before, I was ruled by my senses. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Even when we're dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ by grace, are you saved? And has raised us up and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. The resurrection is the answer. So, part of your meditation for victory over sin, scratch that. Your primary meditation, not part of it, as it pertains to victory over sin, is what Christ has done. Redemptive reality. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? That's redemptive reality. The Holy Ghost dwells in you. Same teaching, different applications. Oh, the Holy Ghost dwells in you. You are justified. The Holy Ghost dwells in you. You have assurance of salvation. The Holy Ghost dwells in you. You have authority over demoniacal forces. The Holy Ghost dwells in you. You are sanctified. And now there is a way you must carry and treat your body. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's a theological perspective to this thing. Do you get point number one? Yes, sir. Now let's move on. 
Let's talk about the biblical precedents for overcoming temptation. Hallelujah. The moment man became sensual, the moment he ate of that tree and became sensual, God didn't leave it to chance. He drove him out of the garden and put angels with flaming swords to, guide the, to guard the garden. Are you getting what I'm saying? He didn't say, oh, now that you have eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, make sure, please don't do it again. I'm begging you. When God said, take God, beg you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, don't eat this other tree, oh. Here you have seen what the other one cost. So if it comes, you know, let me tell you what to say. I bind you, I lose you, or, you know, something like that. But he didn't do that. The best way to avoid temptation is to remove the, you know, the proximity issue. Separate yourself. And so he drove them out. He wore them clothes, drove them out, and made sure they couldn't return. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you listening to me? So this is just the wisdom in the word of God. That's how God deals with stuff like this. The same issue with lots. Lots, don't stay in Sodom with your family and be confessing. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Nothing can, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Do you realize the kind of danger he put his children through? Being in a city like that. If God was one moment later, it would have been a different story. There was a mob outside his house ready to break in and take you know, those angels and probably any other thing they could see. Are you getting what I'm saying? I told you this morning, it matters where you live. There are some things, there are some type of exposure your children don't need. You need to be cautious. Where do your children pass from school? Where you need to know. Thank God the first time I ever passed in front of a brothel, I was already born again. Thank God. Not like I was doing anything. I was always a good boy. You understand? But, <laughs> well, I remember how astonished I was. Oh, the devil has messed people's lives up. I couldn't understand it. So you mean, if I have money, you will give me your body? Ah. Very sad. Praise the Lord. You know, something happened. <laughs> when I wanted to prepare for Wayek. I didn't want to have to be joining from my house to school. The, 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 there was a pro serious proximity issue. So I moved to my uncle's house for that period. His house was way closer to the school. And that environment was fresher, 
but the children there were sports. Hallelujah. You know, when I was in SS3, GS2 people were making me shy. I'm not even joking. The same, the same week I came out, you know, met one, you know, so I was meeting people who attend the school but who live in the area, you know, so I was in SS3, I met one GS2 boy. So it's like, oh, you stay around here now. That's cool. So how are you? How do you do? I said, I'm fine. He said, so who is your girlfriend? I was like, dude. So I was not with shy like girlfriend, you know. So he said, stop lying. Me, you don't have a girlfriend. You do so. I was now explaining to the boy. After a while, I was like, what am I explaining to this JS2 boy? He was not making me feel, uh, uh, you, you know, so G, you know. I, I was not like, I have a younger brother now. What's the meaning of this? Praise the Lord. He was about to hook me up real quick. And then I went to the supermarket. And they saw, you know, I saw another lady, GS2 or GS3. You know, and she saw this senior, you know, that they never get to see. Oh, he's living in this area now. And just gave me one weird handshake. So when I was walking away, I said, like, what kind of neighborhood is this? Some people grew too fast because of the kind of uncles you allow to stay in your house. This uncle thing in this country is a huge problem. It's a huge problem. I was counseling someone just last week. The same uncle molested all three daughters. Consistently for... I'm talking about... Oh, Jesus. God have mercy. I'm talking about three, the ladies were three, five, seven, do you understand? I mean, you, you want to help. So you bring your brother into your house, you are sending him to school, and then he's messing up your children. And the young man looked at me and said, Pastor, Till now, my sisters are not the same. Till now. He said, one is doing this. I don't want to go into details. One is, one is, they're not the same. Hallelujah. Shine your eye, yo. Me, I'm, I'm, the Lord is working on me, you know. It's, it's, it's as if, you know, when... A software is installing. It's as if salvation is progressive. There are some areas that the Lord needs to touch. I'm not allowed to swear, but if you touch my daughter, you say, hey, hey, hey. Jesus Christ. No. Ah. I would need to rededicate my life to Christ afterwards. Hey. No, I watch them. I I watch. I'm watching you. Eh? Praise the Lord. Please. Those of you who don't have children, when you do, protect them. Be present. 
watch 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 some some parents african parents it's as if they don't know these things i don't i don't i don't get it you just bring all kinds of people into the house do you know how many people have been molested by a house boy or house girl and now your child by by age eight is already actively involved sexually eight how will he apart from the grace of god i don't know why the lord is making me dwell on this in our generation we have to do better because you know there are some things I, I don't want to talk about. <laughs> Hallelujah. So there is just a practical wisdom to these things. A pra- biblical precedence. Joseph is not going to wait. And then, you know, as the Roman removed her cloth. And then she touch you. <laughs> if you don't run away, the tongues will start changing. <laughs> you will, after a while, you start groaning. <laughs> groaning in the flesh. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Bible says to flee. Same thing Paul taught Timothy. Same thing Paul taught the church at Corinth. What did he say? Let's look at it in the Word of God. <sighs> Are you learning anything? Are you learning anything? That should be First Corinthians 6, right? I didn't plan to talk about this. First Corinthians 6, verse 18. It says, flee fornication. Do you know what flee means? Jack, <laughs> oh. Mommies and daddies in the house, Jack permits. Um, to run away very fast, like your life depends on it. To disappear. Hallelujah. Second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty-two. It says, flee also youthful lusts. Flee. Praise the Lord. Flee. There are some things you'll be better off if you never tried. Are you getting what I'm saying? When you hear that a lot of people are battling alcoholic addiction, don't think they are mindless. 
don't think you have more discipline than they have. Hallelujah. I think you are better off without it. There are a lot of other cool stuff. Juice. Fanta. Coca-Cola. If you want something that is that at least tastes close. Ferus. <laughs> right. It even has the bubble. Hallelujah. Shiona, yeah. It says, flee. So the man of God will leave his garment and run. You run away. You run away. A guy and a girl, you, at best, you can only be acquaintances. There's a level of friendship you get to, you will complicate things. This is the friend zone we are talking about. Hmm? You know, I just watch, you know, maybe some people on Instagram. Hey, with my buddy. <laughs> I'm like, Kasala <laughs> Gosun You know, there will be a problem. You will catch feelings. It's in the air. One day, one will hit you. <laughs> have you seen Cupid? You know, with those arrows. One will, you have been dodging. One will hit you. Hallelujah. Because God made men to respond in a particular way. Proximity, your clothes, you're seeing all the nice stuff. You, I mean, fun to be with and all of that. They're going to respond. Know what you can handle. Praise the name of the Lord. Listen, if you are here, you know, people don't like to talk about these things in church, but they are real issues. If you are here and you have homosexual tendencies, you know, a lot of people are so self-righteous about this thing. And it's not because you have overcome those tendencies by faith. You just don't have the propensity. So don't feel you're better than someone else. Do you understand what I'm saying? The same way you have to do something to avoid sexual temptation, which is as bad anyway. They have to do something. But now, guys don't know. Or if you're a lady, other ladies don't know. So there are some things they would have done normally, but it will rob you in some particular way. Praise the Lord. Ladies, I discovered, you know, especially I told you this at Young and Free, when I got married, ladies don't mind dressing up in front of each other. They don't, you know, guys don't try that. No common cloth where guys, they go beat you, you understand? You know, guys, you know, so, but, but if you're a lady and that you see I just wish people even had the maturity to handle stuff like that if I tell you please I'm, I'm overcoming this stuff so don't dress up in front of me again but some believers the next Sunday in, in church I heard you know my wife was telling me about someone 
was it counseling or the person was just confiding in her two days ago. She went to tell her pastor, oh, I've been working with this man of God and I need to tell you this. I'm developing feelings for him. I came to tell you because I want to be accountable. He said, what? You need to break the relationship now. He said, it's no relationship. <laughs> what, what is this? What is the problem? He said, it's no relationship. I said, I'm catching feelings and I wanted to tell. Call him now. I need to tell him. Is that how it's? Ah. So some people make this thing so difficult. Took her phone. Typed one message. Said, send it now. The next Sunday in church, you know, there are some people, they are married, they are looking for other people's husbands to sleep with. Next Sunday. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But you now need to help yourself. If you know you have issues, you know, there, there are some ways, even prayer in church. Normally, guys, we just wouldn't matter about to go. If, if you cannot handle it, say in the name of Jesus. Amen. Bless you, brother. You know? Don't, don't. Laugh, but hear what I'm saying, no? Hear what I'm saying. Normally, you can go to a guy's house. What's there? You just share the same bed, you're staying over, and all of that. If you cannot handle that, don't visit anybody. Day your day. <laughs> because there is a. Let me say something maybe more people can relate to. Maybe there is someone you've had something to do with the person in the past. You know better now you're in Christ and all of that. You have overcome that temptation. But the person's number is still on your phone. Let me tell you, one day, you will be at that low point in your life emotionally. You know those days where it's like all the demons of lust are after you? <laughs> you know, I like church people. You will laugh and not answer the question. As if you don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> you, know. you sabi was here to talk. Just, just. <laughs> you know, some days are just different. You just wake up and everything is wrong. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> In those days, if you kept any low-hanging fruit, any easy access to your past, you're going to fall. You're going to fall. Please, are you listening to me? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. So you delete the number. All right? Block it first before you delete it so that... I'm not joking. This is, this is, did I show you from the Bible? That's how to flee. To run away. When, when the next time you see the person, ah, 
You've been avoiding me. Say it's true. <laughs> you never avoid me. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Own it. Hallelujah. So the Bible says to flee youthful lust, flee sexual immorality. Joseph left his jacket. Your own might be eyeglass shoe, whatever be the leave them. You send someone to call it for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I want to talk about practical wisdom. That's number three, right? You see, you need to understand that you live in a culture that is anti-Christ. You live in a culture that is anti-Christ. And so culture makes it so difficult. But when you follow God's wisdom, a lot of things get easier. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So, a guy is crying. I have all these temptations in my life. I don't know how to overcome. And I ask, how old are you? And you say you are 31 and you are still single. And I understand. I know things are very difficult, especially in this part of the world. You might find someone who at that age still hasn't been able to settle. But I'm just letting you know fundamentally that that's where the struggle is coming from. No child is born with sexual urges. Are you aware? As you grow, the body parts responsible for that biological act begin to develop. And so do the urges. And that's God's way of telling you by nature you are getting old, go and marry. That's what God did. That's the divine message. I'm, I'm explaining it to you. Hallelujah. So, unlike any other temptation, this one is a gift from God. You can throw away anger, lust, and all of that, but now you are fighting. Sex is great. It's a gift from God. A single person says, yes, sir. How do you know? How do you know? How do you know? How do you know? She's married. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> now, what for you? One week, you already say, yes, sir. <laughs> you don't go allow me here with again. <laughs> now, what? <laughs> You don't gotta let me preach again, yes, sir. <laughs> oh, Father. So, where was I? <laughs> Sex is I know some brothers are paying attention. You know. So, when you have anger, you know, the desire to steal, this words you can an annihilate them. They're totally wrong. They will never be right at any point. But sex is something 
you know, the desire for it is something that is great, but just premature. It's a blessing from God to feel someone, something for the opposite sex. It is. Trust me, what you are tr- trying to stop, people are praying for. I'm serious. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, you need to... I thank God there are still some people who are significantly younger, you just finished from school and all of that. Get your life in order on time. And do the needful so you don't subject yourself to unnecessary temptation. Just imagine I was still single now. (laughs) I don't even want to imagine it. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Don't imagine. Is it okay? You are still. Some of you, I'm still reading your mind. Do I see? It's okay. <laughs> Let's move on. You know. So that's the thing. So I mean, when you read the story of Joseph and and Mary, they were teenagers. Are you aware? Historically, they were teenagers. He's seventeen, eighteen, or maybe even sixteen. Yes. I have made it a a point of duty to train my children to be responsible enough and independent enough to take the decision to move forward maritally as soon as they are ready. And so help me God, by 15, my children will be adults indeed. I can guarantee you that. It's simple training, you know. It's simple. Some 35, they are Far from adulthood, you know. <laughs> their reasoning, their actions, their decisions, you know. You know but, but there are people, you know, I was, I was writing my book purposefully, and I was just saying, oh, it's a good book, I assure you. You know, my wife finished proofreading the book, and she called me. She said, I just want you to know that I'm very proud of you. Ah! I says, I says, what did you say? <laughs> Your mind is too dirty. I was like, it was network that made my voice low. <laughs> so what do you say? <laughs> anyway, don't worry. You know, coming from a good writer, my wife is a good writer. I, I, I felt very, listen, you are likely to read that book in one sitting. You're not going to be able to drop it. I, I guarantee you that. You know, so in the book, at some point I was saying, just talking about making the most of your day. And I said, in my youth, I could have spent my days playing video games. My, my wife was like, what do you mean in your youth? Do you know what we're doing in your youth? <laughs> he said, you're already so responsible. Use something else. Say when you were a teenager. She made me change it. Because she just couldn't even accommodate the idea. You know, by the grace of God, I knew what I wanted to do with my life early. And I went for it. Praise the Lord. And I just want to challenge us. You see, this country is tough, but you are tougher. The wisdom of God is at work in your life. It's at work in your life. So, so bring order to your finances and settle. Settle. There are some of you, you must marry next year. Don't look at anybody. Don't look at anybody. But 
You must marry next year. You must. You just must marry. Don't look at your deep. Don't look at your deep. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You just glory to God. You know, another thing is we just have very sensual ideas. Some of you, the reason why you have not taken that step is because you are so bent on proving a point to your friends. There is a, you, you are competitive. And so you're not ready to give someone a chance who is still at the developing stages of his life. When your standard is so high, oh, how old are you? You're 22, but I want to date a guy who drives a Prado. Ah. <laughs> nah, sugar daddy be that. Sugar daddy. <laughs> Won't you start somewhere? Won't you start somewhere? Praise the Lord. When my wife and I got married, when money comes in like this, we have to sit down and argue. You know, we'll not buy this. No, we'll buy this. It was because the resources were scarce. It, was, it had to be, it has to go through parliament. You don't get. Ah. She has to plan a project management. In the middle of the month, don't say, oh, I forgot. That's gone, oh. <laughs> don't, don't try that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But, but what is most important is that you just have the passion to do better for yourself. And you are actually trying things out. There must be that zeal, that desire. Not, don't marry someone who keeps wanting to. Are you... <laughs> Have you seen people like that? Yeah. I, I'm, I want to. Yeah, you, don't, you don't know guys like that. Tomorrow I will be. <laughs> they may even have pictures of different cars on their wall. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go out and do something. You might have dreams that you cannot afford yet. You want to own your own company and all of that until you can. How about you just get a job? And I was talking to a guy who is doing very well in Abuja. You know, fresh guy. But when he was telling me his story, how we entered into, <laughs> how we entered into the city, he said there is nothing he didn't do. He was knocking from door to door. Saying, do you have clothes you want to wash? Do you have any errand you want me to run? You know, and, and he's doing well now. Very well. There are just some people who have that drive. Have you seen people like that? The drive. The drive. You've you got to have the drive. Don't keep sitting now and waiting for the government to do something for you. You've got to have the drive. And you have to have the humility that can allow prosperity. Some people are too proud. You, you never start to, you want, 
to have a job that ends by 2 p.m. and starts 10 a.m. Somebody say, I cannot have a bank job. What do you mean, bro? You're broke. <laughs> You're not going to take them. Start somewhere. You're still, I cannot have, after seven years. You think it's up to you? Be responsible now. Do something. Hallelujah. Because after a while, your dreams will get bigger and they will be able to stand independently. For now, please, go and work with someone. And except God has told you to start your own or you know that you can, don't assume you need to. Some people, they don't just like being loyal to anybody. Hallelujah. So just take the right choice, make the right choices, settle early, and for, I mean, for the most part, problem solved. It becomes easier to fight then. When you're married, I will say what I want to say in parables. Imagine you, someone has such a huge appetite for food and you just keep eating, eating, eating. And maybe you don't want to eat your neighbor's food or you go for a food fair. And maybe one prophet told you how they put poison or something like that. If you don't want to eat, you don't want to get tempted. You know what you're going to do? You eat well at home. Don't worry. You will get it tomorrow. You will get it tomorrow. Praise the Lord. Have you ever eaten well because you are going to wedding and you don't want to embarrass yourself? That's what I'm saying. Mind you, I'm just talking about weddings. I don't know. Some of you are too deep. You're thinking, thinking it far. Well, it applies to <laughs> all appetites are the same. If you don't want to sleep in the office, sleep well at home. If you don't want to beg for food outside, eat well at home. If you don't want to, <laughs> at least it's not it's not a perfect strategy, but it helps. Do you understand? It helps. Praise the Lord. So you put, if you need to create timetable, you cannot now be rationing at home and say, oh no, we'll do it when we feel like, Mm -mm. you might now feel like when you're outside. I think there are too many young people here. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So there is a wisdom in the word of God. There is the theology about the redemptive power of Christ. And then there is the biblical precedence on how to handle these things. I'll read one more text and then we prepare for the evening session. We're having Pastor Bology this evening. Oh yes. It's going to be a great time. It was awesome in Abuja. I'm sure to even be better. Colossians chapter 3 verse 2 as I begin to round off. 
Let's start from verse 1. Say thank you, Jesus. It says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ seated at the right hand of God. Set your affections. Tell the person by your side, say, set your affections. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. You say, oh, my affections, they just control me and they just, you can do something about it. Set your affection. Hallelujah. He said it. He's asking you to place a demand on the power of God at work in your life. To say, you know what? I'm no more going to do this. Relying on the grace of God from today, no more. This thing is not going to interest me anymore. You see, you can develop interests in certain areas, and interest can also die. It's possible. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Is that for you are dead, and your life is hid in Christ in God? Hallelujah. Set your affection. Set your affection through exposure. There's some kind of exposure to starve. There's this type of exposure to encourage. Are you getting what I'm saying? Set your affection. Set your affection through meditating on the word. There are some of you, because of the magnitude of the temptations you face every day, you should have confessions in this particular area. What the word of God says about your victory over sin. If you don't find any tape on it, do one for yourself. Just quote Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 8, Galatians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you know, and just play it to yourself again and again. We're talking about a fight here. You don't just sit down and say, oh, I don't know, I tried. What do you mean? It's a fight. You have to show that you're ready. Praise the Lord. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Control your exposure. Some movies should be rated 85. <laughs> there are some movies you will never be old enough to watch. Some you will watch, you will not be the same again. No, I was in school, and it's, it's funny. How believers don't know these things. I was in school then, and a Christian brother told me, have you watched this movie? Very nice action film, Spartacus. Ah! So I was like, oh, oh, cool. And I played the thing, hey. I had to do vigil, you know. Do you know how powerful this thing we're talking about is? You know, there's a man you know, a theologian, I think he's 70-something now. He said, I have only seen one pornographic image in my life. One. I saw it as a teenager. He said, I still remember it vividly. At 75. Are you getting the power of this thing? 
an image in the mind before you delete it. That's why the Bible says to guard your heart. We don't, once it's in, it's in. It's in. But the devil always gets the best of many people because of curiosity. You are too curious. What did they do? This Game of Thrones everybody is talking about. What is going on? You just must watch. And now you develop things that will take decades to overcome. Are you getting what I'm saying? A man of God stood beside a believer on his deathbed. He was about to die. I mean, he was close to 90. So he said, well, are you ready? How was your life? And he just burst into tears. He said, everything perfect. I just wish I got to overcome pornography. He fought it all his life. And he wished he could just kill through permanently. But he said he never experienced that. There are some things you are better off not see. Oh, you have to be a very smart parent. Some parents left things to, to, to chance. Hallelujah. The things people know. You know, just last week, I remembered something that happened in SS2. And I almost wept because I didn't understand it then. And now I understand it. I'm saying too many deep things, but hey, even 11 years are deep, so I can as well say it so that it will help you. So, you know, it was during Waiyek again. I know, SS3, sorry. During Waiyek. So, you can imagine how the schedule was. Came out from class, just bought yogurt as I was going home. And for some reason, I think it was leaking and I didn't know. And so I soiled myself. And at that time, I think the, the other trouser was dry cleaners or something like that. So I had to wear the same thing. And I didn't notice for some reason that they had the stain. And I just went to class. And then the boys would say, ah, what have you done? So I said, oh, why are you so extra about it? It's yogurt. So when I remembered last week, I said, oh, God. I said, I became concerned for them. <laughs> that you knew, you, you thought that then. We're talking about real issues. Real issues. And our culture, you know what? Ah, one day. I will talk about how the enemy is fighting the church through media. Just in case no one has ever told you, temptation is harder to fight than ever before in history. Meditation is harder than ever before in history. For you to sit still five minutes and not touch your phone. You, you don't understand the damage that an average person statistically touches his phone 3,500 times daily. When I knew it, it was serious, you know, on my iPhone you can set a time limit on how long you will spend on social media. I said, okay, 
because of what I do and all of that. Let's put three hours. Let's be realistic for now. 10.30 a.m., alarm rang. Ah! I said, Zuka beg. You will not kill me, Zuka. Ah! I said, 10.30. I said, hey! So I deleted the app. And now, I prefer to waste data when I want to upload, I will install the app. Upload, delete. Because that's the most effective way to overcome temptation. Got so bad, I'll be praying. Double tap. I'm being honest. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I said it years ago, and I think it's even worse now. I said, our world, you know, now, if someone is not on social media, the person looks weird. And yet, social media, you know, it's a pool of garbage. Garbage. Hallelujah. Twitter is the worst. I'm not even regular and I know. I'm not regular on the app and I know. Praise the Lord. And so, you know, there was an image I saw one day. And I, I became worried for my younger brother. That so if it was my younger brother... Oh my God, what does he know? I, you know, I just began to imagine this. I called him to check on him. Are you okay? How are you? Are you? <laughs> you know? Praise the Lord. Sooner or later, these things will have to have age limits. Oh, when you are married, you know, as you exchange vows, then I say, okay, so now you can sign up for Instagram. <laughs> Is that serious? But you see, is now so ingrained in culture that even the possibility of living without it is a joke. So we have accepted this necessary evil. We are moving into a time where it will almost be impossible to find a 10-year-old that has not seen a nude image before. Do you know the implication of what I just said? Praise the Lord. A time is coming that the only way to have a vibrant Christian life is to beg to differ. And say, you know, I don't care what anybody says. I'm not doing. Let everybody have this new social media account. I'm not doing. Sooner or later, we'll have to do it or start our own. Praise the Lord. But if we try to start our own, some believers will slay us. Hallelujah. But, but it's a serious battle. But the Bible says, set your affection. You can. You can. So there are some things that are okay, but you say, you know what, for now, I won't do this. This thing doesn't help me. Many times we lie to ourselves. We say, okay, 
you know, the same situation that has put you in trouble many times, you say, this time. Some even tell God, Father, I promise you. <laughs> you should have noticed by now, that thing know they work. It's not even right to promise God as if you are proving a point to him. He's not the one that is helping you. You better listen to him. Hallelujah. So, at some point, you will have to be happy in the will of God. Do away with whatever you need to do away with. Praise the name of the Lord. I know people who are off social media now. Off. They, they were honest with themselves. I can't handle it. They're off. It's difficult, but possible. Find, that's when you will find other healthy alternatives. All those business ideas you say are not coming, they will then start coming. Or you can have a media fast. Delete it. Change the, the, the login details. Tell someone you trust. Say, even if I beg you, or put a gun to your head, don't tell me. And not all the other things you know, that help you to, for whatever be the case, set your affections on things above, not on things beneath. Meditate on who you are in Christ. Be wise. Be practical. Part of that wisdom that I'm talking about is to marry right. Are you getting what I'm saying? There's no point. Marrying... So <laughs> Can I speak freely? Mm -hmm. Everybody has preferences. Don't be spiritual about it. There are some people, they, some like tall, some like short, some like fair. Some, I, I, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, listen to me. Learn your preference early enough. If pastors have not told you these things. Because pastors, many of them don't know. A lot of pastors married as if... <laughs> oh, you want to hear it? You were going to say that. No. Hallelujah. But that, that's changing now. Pastors, their eyes are open. You know what they see? Have you checked pastors out these days? Their wives. Eh? <laughs> that one is in the past. What I was saying. But anyways. So. Enough said. Make the right choice in that regard. Make sure your choice makes sense spiritually and physically. Makes sense to you. Sense is relative in that aspect. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Next. I counseled someone two weeks ago who said he likes skinny girls. When I mean skinny. So, I was like, you mean now? So, yeah, I said, oh, that's great. That's great. Go for it. Abi? Praise the Lord. He said, that's, that's, and truly, all the people he had crush on, all of them, you know, I was like, wow, wonderful. That's the first. But that's, that's great. Do you understand? 
I, I'm, please, I'm not making jest of. Are you getting what I'm saying? I'm just telling you, honestly, people, honestly, eh, people have very interesting interests. <laughs> know your own, own it. There's no point marrying and then overcoming even more temptation. <laughs> Do you understand? The, no be church you they start now marriage now the only reason you say it's prayerful now church you they start is it a ministry you are starting of course marry a believer do you understand but if that is the primary thing is ah he's very prayerful that's why to marry him Aha! is it a ministry you are starting hallelujah mm, laugh but listen do you understand so Make sure you're particular about that too. So, what is the first point I gave you? What is point number two? What's point number three? Did you learn anything? Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809 996 7000 Blessings